Welcome to the Grace Baptist Church podcast, and thanks for joining us for this episode. Before we begin, please take a moment to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. If you enjoy this content, please don't hesitate to leave us a five-star review and share this podcast with your friends. We'd like to extend an invitation to you and your family to join us for worship this week at Grace Baptist Church. We'd also love to connect with you online at gracekettering.org. Thanks again for joining us and enjoy the episode. I want us to find 2 Timothy chapter number 3 this morning. 2 Timothy 3, I'm thankful that you're here and on this weekend uh, where we're getting ready for a holiday. I thank the Lord that we still have a holiday in our country uh, that centers on thankfulness. And uh, no matter uh, what we see in the world around us, we can find something to be thankful for, and we should. So I'd like for you to find 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse number 1, and let's stand, and we're going to read a few verses here. And uh, you might think, well, this is a weird passage to go to for Thanksgiving. I hope that uh, you'll not think that as uh, we come to the end today. So first, uh, 2 Timothy 3 and verse number 1, let's read here. Uh, I'll follow along as I read. This know also, God wants you to know something, that in the last days, say it with me, perilous times shall come. For men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, help me, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truth-breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, incontinent is the idea of without self-control, just running rampant, you know, whatever, whatever feels good, I'll do it if I want to. Fierce, despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, as the idea of uh, thinking they're above all others, lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God. Read verse 5 with me. Having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof from such turn away. And, and Paul's just simply saying there's sometimes it even will be cloaked in religious talk, right? And uh, they, they'll, they'll, they'll put a spiritual twist on these things. Now, I want us to go down to verse number 14 because uh, you think about some of these things like, oh, well, let's just hold on to the rapture. Let's just, you know, let's just, uh, you know, just grit our, you know, dig in our heels and grit our teeth and get through this, this life. Can't wait till we get to heaven. When we all get to heaven, what a day of rejoicing that'll be. It's going to be mournful here on earth and all that. Uh, I want us to realize what Paul told Timothy there in verse number 14. He said in 13, evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse, deceiving, them, um, deceiving and being deceived. Read verse 14 with me. But continue thou in the things which thou hast learned and hast been assured of, knowing of whom thou hast learned them. He goes on to speak of the instruction of, on Timothy's mom and grandmother, and then ultimately the instruction of the Word of God. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable. It's profitable for us. And so as we think of this matter of thanksgiving and, and really uh, this matter of being thankful in a world that is, uh, is very ungrateful and increasingly so, how can we be different? Well, simply be thankful. Uh, you don't have to, you don't have to uh, say too much. If you say uh, things that you're thankful for in this world, you will stand out. You will stand out. May the Lord help us to do that. You may be seated. Let's pray. Father, I covet your presence here this morning. I ask for it. I need you, uh, need your anointing, and so don't uh, us as listeners this morning to receive your word. 
Lord, you've reminded me even today of the importance of the hearing of your word. And Lord, it's a part of instructing us and helping us to stay under you and under your authority structure. And so I pray that you would help us by your word. Would you, uh, would you take it as that, that, that very sharp knife and would you uh, divide asunder in our hearts, show us exactly what we need. There's no possible way for me humanly, Lord, to, to give uh, to your, fo- uh, your people what exactly they need, but you can by your spirit and through your word. And so I'm trusting that you will do that even today. And then, Lord, I ask that you bless our time of fellowship around the food this evening. Would it be a sweet time of just sharing praises back to you? And, Lord, I pray that it would be a a strengthening time in our church family. We pray we love you today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God has called us to be different, right? You all agree with that? He has called us to be different. He's called us to not be weird but he's called us to be a peculiar people, a different people. Uh, the church, is, by a definition, is a called-out assembly from the world to Jesus Christ, correct? And so that means we're going to be different. We are being called out, and sometimes that won't always be popular, but the fact of the matter is we are to be different. The world is full of darkness. Everywhere we look, there's an in- increasing darkness, and it seems like we speak to that more and more because that's the reality of what is in front of us. But in Christ, according to Ephesians 5 and verse number 8, we are light. The day that you came to Christ and you accepted that pardon, that great pardon that we just sang about, you got a light in your soul that cannot be extinguished. Now, we can, we can, we can bushel it, and we should not. Matthew um, 5 tells us that we should not hide it under a bushel. We should set it prominently wherever we go in our, our community, wherever we go in our workplace. We should set the light of Christ prominently up in our lives, elevated in our lives. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. I'm going to let it shine. And so it's very important that we do what Jesus said, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. One of the greatest things that we can praise God for is simply our salvation like we've already sung about. The world needs to hear you praise God for your salvation. They need to realize that that is the biggest and most important thing in all the world to you. Bigger than the influence of any one person on your life is the fact that Jesus Christ has saved your soul. And you can always rejoice in that. You can always lift him up in the midst of, in the midst of trials, in the midst of storms that we've sung about. You can lift him up as the one who has saved your soul. And so Jesus has put that light in our lives. Ephesians 5.8 now says, Walk as children of the light. Walk as children of light. Walk differently. Don't walk in darkness. Walk in the light. Be light. He's put that light in you. Be the light that they need to see. You're going to go to work tomorrow and, to, and Tuesday and, 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 and perhaps on Wednesday. And, and people are going to be looking forward to the different things that they're going to do throughout the week. The time off. Maybe the games that they're going to watch. Maybe the, the food that they're going to eat. And they're going to talk about a lot of different things. But you can simply be different by being thankful in front of them for the salvation that God has given you. Just being thankful. Gas prices are high, but still finding a way to be thankful. Inflation is there, but still finding a way to be thankful. You might not find a turkey, although I've seen plenty of turkeys in the store. Have you gotten them? Uh, Nonetheless, uh, regardless, be thankful for the pork. Who cares what we're eating? Um, Be thankful for what God has given to us. Now, in in much of our culture today, I'm not going to say anything unusual here, but in much of our culture today, Thanksgiving has become a day that has, has gotten a little bit of a secular bent to it. We talk much about 
uh, what is going to entertain us on that day, and we talk much about what we're going to eat on that day. So we call it Turkey Day. Right? Don't do that. Stand out. Call it Thanksgiving. Tell the story. The reason I share that story year after year with you is because we need to remember what it's all about, why we're celebrating it. Some really incredible people laid down a, a track for us on which, to, uh, on which to ride and celebrate Thanksgiving. It's not all about entertainment. Is entertainment wrong on Thanksgiving? No. But certainly the focus of that day is to draw our hearts together as a family and give thanks to God. Boy, you can make a big difference in your family if uh, even in front of unsaved family to give thanks to God. Now, as I say that, I'm aware that the holiday season and Thanksgiving even, Christmas, etc., can bring back the, the, the pain of loss, the pain of different things that have gone on in life, maybe even family tensions, and it can bring those, those pains to your heart. You know the way to navigate through that? I'm not, I'm not being cheap here. The way to navigate through that is going to fix your eyes on Jesus and find something to be thankful for. If you look at all the loss, if you look at a messy divorce, you look at a financial setback, you look at how someone has treated you, and you, you focus on that, you're going to have a miserable day. Now, as a church family, we need to be aware of people that may, may be going through that, and we need to reach out to one another. We need to, we need to keep that in mind. Uh, keep in mind the friends that God has put in your life and help them through these, these, uh, these days that really are a very wonderful time of year but still can bring in some pain, can bring in some hurt, bring back some reminders. Give a call, give a text, send a, send a door dash, do, do something to encourage, reach out in some way. But it is an incredible season in which we have to be thankful in the midst of an ungrateful society. So how can we be different be thankful. Well, let's talk about that for a little bit. Let's, let's focus a little bit more on this matter, according to the Bible, of the reality of ingratitude that we see around us. It's not something new. Nothing's new under the sun. It is, it's there unless it's forgotten, all right? There you go. Unless it's, unless it's forgotten. So we need to be reminded of these things, okay? And so what is the reality of ingratitude that we see around us? 2 Timothy 3 and verse number 1 and 2 tells us that in the last days, we should expect that there would be a spirit of unthankfulness. We should expect that men would grow in the, in the uh, I, I deserve everything mentality. We should expect that to be going on. And he says in these perilous days, these last days would be perilous. The last days are those days from the, uh, the time of Christ till, till now. It's, it's, it's been an increasing, uh, increasing uh, journey towards the, the day that Jesus Christ comes and calls home. But these are the last days. And if they were the last days in John's day when he wrote first and second and third John, uh, listen, we got to be on the threshold of Jesus Christ coming back. Now, that's something we can be thankful for. I hope we are the terminal generation. I hope we, this is a generation that we get to hear the trumpet sound, right? And uh, this week would be okay. On Thanksgiving Day would be okay. Uh, but the, the reality is, he said that the perilous times would come. Grievous, burdensome times would come. I've heard one, uh, one preacher, commentator, uh, describe it as an unraveling time. You certainly feel that in our society, the unraveling of our, our systems, the unraveling of our morals, the unraveling of what is right everywhere around us. Uh, have you ever cut open a golf ball? 
Any of you? Some ladies have admitted to this. I, we used to do that as kids. We had a creek that uh, flowed down from a golf course uh, there in Indiana. And so we would wade that creek, and we even had golf ball picker-uppers that we, we designed with holes in them, let out the water. And we'd wade that creek, and we'd go up looking for golf balls. We'd get buckets of golf balls. But it was so fun to take a, take a knife and, uh, or a saw and pull those things apart, and you, you, you cut it all the way around and pull that, that plastic or, or fiberglass or whatever uh, cap it is. And uh, then you just gently take one of the rubber bands inside of there, one of the rubbers, and you'd, you'd release it, and you just watch that thing go. I mean, it'd just go. And so, uh, did you know inside of most of them are kind of uh, 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 rubber bands that's just kind of twisted around and around and around? More, it'd just go. I think about that. We feel that unraveling going on in our culture, and it seems to be increasing more and more. The Bible said in the last days, perilous times, and one of those, the, the telltale marks of that would be an increase in ingratitude. It will be there. It will be all around us. The unthankful heart that, uh, that shows and reveals itself in unthankful habits out of the abundance of the heart, mouth speaketh, right? So it's an unthankful heart that has unthankful habits. And oh, how we can uh, be even convicted about that right here in this moment in our own lives. But uh, there's a spirit of self-centeredness that we see rising, a spirit of greed uh, that I, I need more, and if I get more, then I can be thankful. If God will bring this through for me, if I get this promotion, if I have this, uh, this in my bank account, whatever, then I can be, I can be thankful for. As one, uh, one said it this way, the more I acquire, the happier and more grateful I will be. What a godless what a godless or unbiblical philosophy. we got to guard against that. The Bible says that we are to guard, and in Colossians chapter 2 and verse number 8, it says we're to guard against the vain philosophies that are around us in the world. We're to be aware of those things. And it's so easy for those to get into our hearts. Ungratefulness, as we see in Romans chapter 1, is a sign of a declining, God-denying culture. It really is. And I already referenced this on Wednesday night, but Romans 1 and verse number 20, it says, For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead. So we get to see that God is real by the creation that's around us. We are, we are accountable for that general revelation before God. But he goes on to say, because that, when they knew God, when they understood that there is a God, they glorified him not as God, neither were, they, neither were they thankful. It's interesting, at the moment that God reveals himself through the general revelation of the heavens declare the glory of God, those that are rejecting him, the first sign that God gives for that is that neither were they thankful. Wow, we see that all over. As we have pushed God more and more out, as we've if we've uh, denied God and who he is to us in our country, and as that's become a part of our, our culture, we realize there is also a rise of ingratitude that goes along with that, and they became vain in their imaginations, and their foolish hearts were darkened. You ever wonder why you see some of the things you see that's, um, that goes on, you're like, how can they think that way? Their foolish hearts are darkened, right? What a, what a state that we're in. We think, well, it's just, it's just been in the last 10 years, just in the last 20 years. No. 
I find this statement and this proclamation from President Abraham Lincoln very, very interesting. He says, we have been the recipients of the choicest bounties of heaven. We have been, uh, been preserved these many years in peace and prosperity. We have grown in number, wealth, and power as no other nation has ever grown. We have forgotten, but we have forgotten God. We have forgotten the gracious hand which preserved us in peace and multiplied and enriched and strengthened us. And we have vainly imagined in the deceitfulness of our hearts that all these blessings were produced by some superior wisdom and virtue of our own. Is that not true? Intoxicated with unbroken success, we have become too self-sufficient to feel the necessity of redeeming and preserving grace, too proud to pray to God, that, unto the God that made us. It behooves us then to humble ourselves before the offended power to confess our national sins and to pray for clemency and forgiveness. And that was his proclamation calling America to prayer. Wow! We have come so far. And it's not just been in these last days that we've been coming. We have been on this course because we have forgotten the goodness of God. We have forgotten who God is to us. We've forgotten His blessings in our lives. We've forgotten it is His very principles that made us a great nation. But friends, that's not just for a nation. God said in Romans chapter 1 and verse number 21 that it was they, it was people, that they were not thankful. They denied God. Oh, that God would help us to remain thankful and not follow in the course and the philosophy of this world. But I also want to say ungratefulness is an indication of a rebelling heart towards God. And this is where we really need to allow God to search our hearts. And why do I say that the Bible says in Psalm 106, 7, Our fathers understood not thy wonders in Egypt, they remembered not the multitude of thy mercies, but provoked, but provoked him, God, at the, at the sea, even at the Red Sea. God had done all those marvelous miracles, ten plagues that, that absolutely crushed the power grip of Pharaoh upon, upon the Israelite people, brought them out. They're finally standing at the Red Sea. Now Pharaoh's armies are behind them. They're up against the Red Sea, and they're like, well, Moses, you brought us out here to kill us. And they're undermining his leadership and they're criticizing him in all, the, in all these different ways. And he says, hey, hey you've, you've done us wrong. We're gonna, you brought us out here to die. God says, hey, stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. And God makes a way right through the Red Sea. Wouldn't you have liked to have been there? Wouldn't you have liked to see the water pile up on both sides? Friends, they rebelled against that by not for, uh, remembering the mercies and the miracles of God. Do we see it in our lives that it is an, it is an indication of rebellion in our hearts or a, a, a stiffening in our, our spiritual lives or relationship with the Lord when we begin to praise Him and thank Him for the things that He's done? You go to Gideon and his wonderful, wonderful, miraculous deliverance of God's people from the, the hands of the Midianites. It says in Judges 8 and verse number 33, And it came to pass, as soon as Gideon was dead, that the children of Israel turned again. God delivered them, but they turned again. And went a-whoring after Balaam, and made Baal-bereth their God. And the children of Israel remembered not 
the Lord their God. They remembered not the Lord their God. The God that rescued them by Gideon's 300 against many, many thousands of Midianites. God rescued them and they forgot all of that. And they went worshiping after other gods. One man said, Dr. Bob Jones Sr., when gratitude dies on the altar of a man's heart, that man is well nigh hopeless. Oh, God help us. Gratitude. Gratitude is very much a thermometer indicating our relationship with God, indicating where we are in a relationship. May we take some time this week to pause and think about our relationship with God. How grateful are we? Maybe we take some time to write down some things. Thank you, Lord, for these things that you've done in my life. And we'll give some tips in a little, a little moment about how to, how to do that. But if gratitude is that important to God, boy, let's give attention to it this week. Not just this week, but always. Let's ask the Lord. Let's, let's allow our hearts to be this. Lord, would you help me to grow in gratitude? Would you help me to grow in this way? It's so easy. It's so easy to become lax in this. Oh, Lord, help us in this way. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul, and forget not all of his benefits. Forget not all of his benefits. When I said that as a, a little kid, I memorized that verse, and I remember uh, going along the lines, Bless the Lord, O oh my soul, and forget not all his bacon bits. It's not bacon bits, it's benefits. Uh, it is benefits, and there are many. His mercies are new to us every single morning. Great is thy faithfulness. Even today, church family, God's mercies are still alive and well. Even right now, his mercies are alive and well. Let's get our eyes back on him and stay focused where, where we must. So how should a child of God who desires to be grateful, how should we exist in this day of ingratitude? Now, how many of you remember, I, I wear this band from our theme in 2018. I will follow every single day, just as a reminder, uh, to follow Jesus Christ as his disciple. But uh, you remember back to these bands that uh, used to have the, the letters WWJD on them, right? What would Jesus do? Let's say that together. What would Jesus do, right? And uh, regardless of whether everyone wore that, you know, with, with true intent or whatever, if it was just a fad, I think it's still a great question. What would Jesus do, right? What would Jesus do? How does Jesus deal with the ungrateful? And this is really what has sparked this message in particular today. Because if we go back to the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus says something very specific to us as his followers about how we are to view the ungrateful, how we are to handle them. And I want us to notice not just the reality of ingratitude, but our response to ingratitude. The Sermon on the Mount, you can find it in Matthew chapter 5 through 7, but also over in Luke chapter 6, and that's where we'll be, Luke 6 and verse number 35. Uh, the Sermon on the Mount was really Jesus uh, delivering what would be the constitution of the kingdom, how, how he would uh, require his servants to, to live, especially in the coming kingdom. So there's a, a bit of a twofold a application. Remember, Jesus did not set up his kingdom when he was here on earth, correct? Right? The disciples wanted that kingdom, but he did not set that up. He came to die on the cross and to create in your heart and in mine a kingdom, a rulership in our, in our hearts. And that is still his will today. Uh, we talk about 
adding people into the kingdom. We talk about uh, being under his rule. We, we, uh, we note when Jesus said in the Garden of Gethsemane, not thy will, but uh, my will, but thine be done. And we see that Jesus in the uh, Sermon on the Mount was especially uh, applying or explaining the rulership God wants to build in the lives of his followers today. He wants to build his rulership in your, in your heart. He wants you to be submitted to him and to him alone. And so as we consider that, we understand the Beatitudes, blessed are the, the, the meek, blessed are the peacemakers, blessed are the poor in spirit, and so on. But in Luke 6 and verse number 35, notice this. He says in response to persecution, he says, but love your enemies. Do good to them and do good and lend hoping for nothing again. Isn't that hard? Hoping for nothing again. And your reward shall be great, not small, great, and ye shall be the children of the highest. Ye shall be the children of the highest. Your reputation will be, wow, that's a child of God, because that's not the way the whole world works. But I want us to uh, read this last sentence together. Are you there? Let's read this together. For he is kind unto the unthankful and to the evil. Once again, for he is kind unto the unthankful and to the evil. Now, our natural response to enemies is not to love. Our natural response to those that are ungrateful is not kindness. Maybe we don't say it with our words, but certainly in our heart, our natural response Maybe you've thought this before. Maybe you've had someone say this uh, and you heard it. Maybe you've said it before. Um, you know, they didn't give me thanks. They didn't say thank you. I will never do a nice thing for them again. Do I dare ask how many have ever felt that way? <laughs> all right, we're all human here, right? It's reality. It messes with us. It bothers us, right? But then Jesus says this. It's not that he gives a pass to sin. God talks about he's angry with the wicked every day. So we're not, we're not canceling that out. But he says here he is he's kind to the ungrateful and the evil. That's pretty amazing. Because that's not the way that we think. Now that's the way I believe Christ is asking his followers to think. He's asking them to be gently pleasant. Gently pleasant to those to those that are ungrateful. That means tomorrow at work, as you, uh, as you do something for a coworker and you give them a leg up, you give them a helping hand and they don't thank you, you are to be gently pleasant. That means when that distant relative at Thanksgiving dinner cuts you in line or does something unkind and, or shows ungratefulness to an act of mercy that you've shown on their beha on behalf, you are to be gently pleasant. You mean I can't give them an earful? No, we're to be gently pleasant. Why? Because that was the model of our Savior. There's no greater display of kindness than that of the cross. And every single one of us have benefited from the kindness of God to the ungrateful. Now, would you just agree with me that at some point in our Christian lives, we've been ungrateful towards Jesus Christ? I'm going to hold my hand up till every hand's up in this room. <laughs> right? And yet, so many times, because we get our focus off Jesus and on other people, 
so many times we don't act like Jesus to them because we aren't looking at him. He was kind to me. And he's been kind to me every time I've been unthankful for his blessings. That's amazing. And that's what we need to try to walk after. That's what we need to seek after in our, in our Christian lives. That's the Christ-likeness that we need to seek. He says in Ephesians 2 and verse 7, that in the ages to come, he might show forth the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us through Jesus Christ. Nothing, nothing is more kind than Jesus was to us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And so what is it, even that comes to mind right now, what is some ungratefulness in another person or some evil that another person has committed against you and you struggle to be gently pleasant toward them? And I'm saying compare that to what Jesus did for you. Compare that to the cross, to all that he's been grateful and kind uh, kind to you, uh, uh, all his kindness, all of his, his unfailing mercy in your life. It changes the game, friends. It changes our perspective, and we must allow that to be the case. So uh, the response to uh, ingratitude is kindness. That is the rule. Jesus has been kind to us throughout these many times, through the many times in the course of our Christian journey. He's been kind to us when we showed ingratitude. And with his help, with his Spirit's help, we can do the same. Family member gave you money, didn't thank you. Coworker covered your shift, or you covered their shift, didn't thank you. Child you raised and cared for, doesn't thank you. Jesus was kind to the ungrateful, the unthankful, and to the evil. What a, what a great standard we have in Jesus Christ. What a, great, what a great goal to pursue after. Let's press towards that mark. Now, None of us are perfect there, right? None of us are perfect, but let's press towards that mark even this week with the Lord's help. There's another thought I want to help us to, to have. It's easy to look at other people and, and to realize that there's ingratitude. It's easy to look at it in the world, but friends, there needs to be a revival of gratitude in our own hearts. There must be a revival of gratitude. I'm not condoning everything he, he said, but a statement popularized by Gandhi was this, be the change you want to see in the world. Be the change you want to see in the world. And uh, the reason that that statement rings true is because it, it has truth in it. Be the change you want to see. We can look around and see all the ingratitude, the ungratefulness. We can see that uh, even, not always just in the world, but even in, in, our, in our Christian families. We can see that. But how is it going to change? Be different by being thankful. We need a revival of this gratitude in our, in our lives. I, there's a story is told about a man uh, who they would have family dinners and they would, uh, they would gather together. Uh, wife, wife was a good cook, but she'd put it all out on the table. And, and uh, the husband was very particular about, about his food. None of the men in here are particular about their food, right? You just put it in front of them, they eat it liver, chestnuts, sauerkraut, all sorts of fun things like that, right? So uh, he's grumbling about it, and then it comes time to say, uh, to uh, thank God for, uh, for the food, and so he blesses it, and his daughter's sitting there, and uh, asks this question, does, 
does God hear us when we pray? And he says, well, yes, honey, God, God hears us. Of course he hears us when we pray. She pauses for a second, and she goes, um, well, does, Daddy, does God hear us all the rest of the time? Yes, of course he does. Every, every word, yes, dear, every word, he, he, hears, he, he, he hears this. He's kind of inspired that his daughter's thinking so spiritually and asking all these wonderful questions until she says, then what does she believe? What does he believe? What you pray or what you say the rest of the time? The fact is, many times we can show a lot of ingratitude and ungratefulness in our day-to-day language, and then when we stop and pray, we get holy and pious, right? Oh, that our lives would match. And there's people that are watching us. In fact, the world is watching us closer than we realize. Your neighbors are watching you closer than you realize. Many times you don't even have to say a word before they have an understanding of who you are. Certainly our families in the same way. And so we have to ask this question. If the spirit of ingratitude is increasing around us, if it is increasing in these last days, and it's a part of the spirit of the age, should we not check our own spirit? Should we not check our own hearts and pause and think, do I need to have a revival of gratitude in my own heart? Do I need to sure some things up in my own heart that I might uh, do well in this day? Is my heart barren when it comes to thankfulness? Am I a part of the spirit of the age that continues to be ungrateful towards God for all of his many blessings and ungrateful for the blessings we enjoy in this land? Am I unthankful? The Bible still says, in everything, help me, in everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning everyone else. Hmm. You mean in everything? Every season of life? Every trial and everything give thanks. Now, he didn't say for everything. He did say in everything. And that is the frame of prayers. We are to come to him in prayers and supplication with thanksgiving, let our requests be made known unto God. So how can we be different by being thankful? I want you to think about these three, th- um, three thoughts and perhaps write them down and practice them this week. Check perspective toward God perspective towards God. And I want us to think in this way, does God owe you and me freedom from every problem? Now let's be honest, do we sometimes get in that mindset? He owes, he owes it to me to get me out of this trial. You think Job might have ever felt, look, I've lived, I've lived all this for God, and, 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 and here's this trial. Does, did God owe it? No, and, and fortunately, we think that way in our minds. So perspective number one would be this. Lord, you owe me everything, and that's the mentality by which we approach our Christian life. Lord, you owe me everything. It's a very give-me idea of uh, way of thinking. Lord, you owe me absolutely everything. Uh, while at the grocery store, one little boy, uh, his name was Billy, and, and he was there uh, in the grocery store, and he goes, Mom, it was a head of, uh, it was a head of uh, uh, Thanksgiving, they're shopping for the turkey and so on, and he goes, Mom, Thanksgiving should come after Christmas. 
and it would be then that we'd have more things to be thankful for. Right? If I have more, then I can be thankful. There's the spirit of the age. Our kids pick up on that so quickly. If I have more, then I can be thankful. Lord, you owe me everything. It's this way. We look at God as a vending machine. You know, something that he's to give to me. Certainly he does give his blessings. But the right perspective according to, uh, according to Romans chapter 12 and verse number 1 and 2 is this. Lord, I owe you everything. I owe you everything. Here's my life. I give it back to you. John, uh, uh, the, the writer of When I Survey the Wonders Cross, he says, I, I, we're the whole realm of nature mine. and It would be a present far too small. You don't owe me everything. I will give you my life, my, my joy, my all. I'll give it back to you. Why? Because, Lord, you owe me everything after what you did for me at Calvary and saving my soul from eternal hell. I owe you everything. I owe you absolutely everything. And if you've not today been rescued from an eternity apart from God, today can be your day of salvation, and I would encourage you to call out to Jesus Christ in faith, admitting your own sinfulness before Him, and admitting that that sin separated you from holy God, but Jesus came to die on the cross in your place for your sin to bring reconciliation between you and the Father so that you might spend eternity with Him forever in heaven. And we praise the Lord for that. Lord, I owe you everything. He says, call. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Lord, I owe you everything. We have to change our perspective. Remember what I said that our gratitude or ingratitude is an is a indicator or a thermometer of our relationship with God. And if our perspective toward God isn't right, then we're not going to be able to be grateful, even on Thanksgiving Day. We're not going to be able to be thankful. Why? Because if we think that that God owes me everything, then everything I get is like, well, I deserve that. Why do I need to give him thanks? I deserve that. No, the perspective is, Lord, I owe you everything. But think about this, in developing this thankful spirit, what about tracking your blessings? You know, the children of Israel forgot their blessings, and God told us about that over and over. But we do the same thing. Do you have a system for tracking your blessings? Do you write them down in a journal? Do you have a note in your phone? Do you have a prayer guide that you write down the, the answers to prayer? Uh, count your blessings. Name them one by one, as we sang. And it will surprise you what the Lord has done. It is in the tracking of our blessings that we can, we can in the best way, remember, oh, God really has been good, and, and God has blessed me beyond belief, and I, I should be very thankful. Lord, I didn't deserve this, but you've blessed me in all these many ways. And you say, I don't have that. Well, I'd encourage you even this week to take some time, get a note, a, a note sheet, do whatever, do whatever you need, but write down, start tracking the blessings of God and, and keep that going. And what an encouragement that will be. My, my friend, uh, Brother Chad Conley, tells a story of after, after his first wife uh, had, uh, had passed, that he was really struggling. The Lord had reminded him of Romans 8, 28, uh, in all things, uh, uh, all things work together for good to them that love God, to them that are called according to his purpose. And he's like, all, all things, Lord, all things. But he said the Lord specifically prompted his heart based on something he had already shared about writing down all the blessings of God. And he took some time to write down all the blessings of God and tallied a hundred blessings of God in his life. And it was what brought him out of the despair of the loss of his wife. 
Friends, your thanksgiving to God, your remembering the blessings of God upon your life will help bring you up out of the pits of despair. It will, but it will be a choice. It will be a choice to track it. It will be a choice to write it down and how I encourage you to do that. But then express your gratitude. Oh, if we're going to be thankful and be different in that way, we need to change our perspective towards God. We need, to, uh, we need to track our blessings. What has God done for us, through, even through others? But then express it. Take the step to express it. Now, uh, we can express it in two ways. We can express it vocally. We can say thank you to someone. I remember the, the uh, one leper that came back to Jesus who was uh, among the ten lepers, and this one leper comes back, not the other nine. This one leper comes back, and he thanks God. He thanks Jesus for giving him back his life, his health. He thanks him for it. And Jesus says, where are the other nine? But vocally he expressed, he expressed to Jesus in Luke chapter 17 his thanks for the cleansing from being a leper. He vocally said that to the Lord. We should do the same. I'm reminded when Paul was on the uh, voyage to Rome in Acts chapter 27, the Bible says that when, he, uh, when he's called everyone to, to, uh, together to eat because they had fasted for many days during the storm, he took bread and he gave thanks in the presence of them all, and when he had break it, he began to eat. He gave thanks, vocally he gave thanks to God. Even in the midst of a storm, in the midst of uncertainty, in the midst of times where everything seems to be falling apart, Paul, as, a, as, a, as a, a follower of God, thanks God for simply the food that they had. Man, let's not even allow, allow the, the taking for granted of the food that we get to eat. My uh, daughter, Savannah, um, I love to help teach my children to pray and out loud and, and in different, different scenarios. I love teaching the children to pray and, and not be ashamed of that. But I've had a special blessing with my littlest of, um, of just the, the cuteness and simplicity in prayer. And something that has become especially uh, sweet to me is when we pray at night, and I, I do try to pray with my kids before going to bed and just pray for... Uh, I I would pray for their salvation, pray for their purity, uh, pray that the Lord would provide for them a spouse in the future that that would honor God and that they would serve the Lord with all their heart, soul, and mind, that they'd love him and those types of things. But uh, my littles have uh, really loved getting down on the floor, getting on the knees, and and praying before bedtime. You didn't pray with us, and I, I speak to that time to time because it's sweet to me. But something that is special with Savannah is she's gotten to the point where she says, Jesus, God, I've not taught her this. This is it's, it's so sweet coming out of, out of her heart. Jesus, God, thank you for this really great day. And thank you for the blessings. And there have been times that I haven't had really great days, and I've, I've been on my knees with them, and to hear my little daughter say, thank you for this really great day. Now there's times that she hasn't made it a really great day. At the end of the day, that little heart in tune with God, thank you for this really great day and thank you for the blessings. I've also been encouraged to watch in my daughter Sierra as she's grown. It used to be she would bring a laundry list of everything she wanted to the Lord. I mean, it would go on to the point I would need to stop her. Like, this is self-centeredness. Like, this is not right. 
And uh, I don't know at what point it began to change, but it blessed me to see, and begin to see the spirit of thanksgiving coming out in her prayers and to begin thanking God for her dolls and for her home and for her family and for her brothers and sisters by name and for uh, grandparents and, and going on and thanking God for some intangible things too. And it's amazing how important it is to vocally give thanks to God even when you don't necessarily feel it. And especially, guys, as we're in our homes, giving thanks to God gave you breath today. He gave you a home. He gave you clothes. Thanking God even when we don't feel it. They'll pick up on it. But friends, our church family will pick up on it. Right? That, that spirit, as we thank God, don't just rush to the things that we need from Him. Thanking Him. Thank Him for being your master. Thank you for being patient and long-suffering being the, um, being the Lord in your life, being your Savior. Thank Him for giving you this day in which to rejoice. Vocally giving praise to God, vocally expressing, but also written gratitude some 37 times in the Pauline epistles. Paul spoke to the subject of thankfulness. Many times as you come to the first parts of his epistles to the different letters and people, you'll find them giving thanks for their faith, for their fellowship in the gospel, for their perseverance, many different things along that line. He gave thanks, written thanks to these people, and at the end of his letters, he often thanked the people through greetings, written thanks. And though it's a lost, a lost art, and, and sometimes it's hard to keep up with some of that, at very minimum, we should be thankful with our voices. But there's times to give thanks with, with, with a pen. We have technology in this day, thanks with a, a text or a note card, but thanks, written thanks. Paul said in Philippians 1 and verse 3, I thank my God upon every remembrance of you. I thank my God. We saw in the video a moment ago that the pilgrims had an incredibly hard time when they came to this earth, on this land. One man said this, the pilgrims made seven times more graves than huts. Nevertheless, they set aside a day of thanksgiving. Wow. They set aside a day of thanksgiving. William Bradford, the governor of the Plymouth Colony, said, Inasmuch as the great father hath, has given us this year an abundant harvest of Indian corn, wheat, peas, beans, squashes, and garden vegetables, and has made the forest to abound with game, or deer meat, right? Uh, and the sea with fish and clams, and inasmuch as he has protected us from the ravages of the savages, has spared us from pestilence and disease, has granted us freedom to worship God according to the dictates of our own conscience. Now, I, as your magistrate, do proclaim that all pilgrims, ye all pilgrims, with your wives and ye uh, little ones, do gather at the meeting house and the, uh, on the hill between the hours of 9 and 12 in the day on Thursday, November 29th, of the year of our Lord, 1,623, and the third year since ye pilgrims uh, landed on uh, Pilgrim Rock, there to listen to the pastor and render thanksgiving to Almighty God for his blessings. They had it right. They focused on him. Yes, there were problems, but they focused on him. And may we have that revival gratitude, the same gratitude that they expressed in very difficult times. Helen Keller, you know her as being blind and deaf 
from the age of 19 months. It wasn't until the age of seven till Ann Sullivan came into her life and began to teach her how to operate and how to live in this world. And she learned to, to, uh, to uh, read and, uh, and, to, uh, and to communicate. And she learned a lot of great things. And uh, after education, both specialist main school, uh, mainstream schools, she attended college, uh, a college uh, associated with Harvard University. She became the first deaf-blind person to earn a bachelor's of arts degree. Wow, what incredible challenges. She worked with the American Foundation for the Blind from 1924 to 1968. Incredible, incredible woman. But she said this, so much has been given to me that I have no time to ponder that which I do not have. So much has been given to me that I have no time to ponder that which I do not have. Helen Keller, wow. We need a revival of gratitude. Gratitude is offering precious, is an offering precious in the sight of God, and it is one that the poorest of us can make and not be poor, but richer for having made it. We can give it back to God. Listen, this is, this is mine. I give it back to you, and I praise you. Psalm 50 tells us to bring the offering of thanksgiving to the Lord. And we can do that today and this week. No matter what you're feeling, no matter what you see around us, bringing to him thanksgiving. How can we be different in this world? Well, one way is just simply be thankful. And may God help us to do that. Would you bow with me in prayer? I want to encourage you with some thoughts or challenge you to consider some thoughts. What's your perspective towards God? What marks your perspective towards God? Is it an you owe me everything? Or is it I owe you everything? Is that your perspective towards God? Do you count every blessing from God as over and above what you truly deserve? Think about that. What's your perspective? Perhaps you'd say over the past week, it's been a lot of you owe me everything. You know, I'm sure thankful that we have a God that longs to hear his children come back to him and, and say, you know, Lord, I'm sorry for that. That isn't right. With your help, I'll live differently this week. I'll live with the mindset of, I owe you everything, and I'll be grateful. I'm going to say the Lord has worked and touched in my heart about this matter today. Do you acknowledge that to the Lord with an upraised hand? Yes. I want that you, I owe you everything attitude. Do you have a system of tracking the blessings of God in your life? Would you commit even today to take some time this week, perhaps today, this afternoon, before coming back, to track some blessings, to write down some blessings. I'd encourage you to commit that to the Lord. Is it your practice to express vocal or written gratitude? Maybe you look back and perhaps your life is a little bit barren, and you need to just simply say to the Lord, I need your help to be thankful to not just you, but to others. I need your help. Would you stand with me in an attitude of prayer? Father, this morning we do long. I, I believe every person here longs to be thankful as you tell us to be. To in everything give thanks for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning us. Lord, we need help with that because so often we get our focus on the, the negatives of life and we need your help to help us to focus on you, your kindness, your everlasting mercy. 
to help us to be thankful in our hearts. And so we ask for that right now. As your people uh, just take some time to pray and to seek your face, Lord, I pray that you bless, bless these conversations that they will have with you. And may eternal, uh, eternal fruit come out of this moment together. In Jesus' name, with our heads bowed, music plays. Let's just take some time to do business with the Lord and to come to him and commit these things. The altar's open. If you'd like to kneel there at your seat, you can do that. But let's talk to the Lord for a moment here. you need to be saved watching online in that way certainly can reach out to us if you need to be saved it would be our greatest honor to help you with that be out in the lobby right afterwards by the welcome center we'd love to connect you a man with a man lady with a lady to just show you from the word how you can know for certain that you're on your way to heaven certainly that's the most important thing in this day praise the lord you may look this way won't keep you standing long. The guys out in the, Brother Frank out in the, the lobby has a resource for you. Um, this is 40 days of praise. It's a little bit of a devotional guide or just a guide through verses that deal with Thanksgiving for 40 days where it asks you some questions. What does this passage tell me about God for which I can give thanks? What else can I learn from this passage to imply in praise? And then a prayer response there. And so this is put out by Striving Together Publications, and just uh, um, we printed it off for you. Uh, they, they gave it out, and we printed it off for you. So we have about 35 copies out there. Yeah, we can print more and even have them available tonight. Or you can just get the PDF by scanning that and, uh, and have that maybe on a digital device or use it as a guide in that way. So um, that's available for you. And uh, just as a way to create a spirit of thanksgiving in this day. Now, I want to challenge us, regardless of how we do it. I want to challenge us. Let's, let's, let's develop thanksgiving in our hearts. Let's not just let it be a day on the calendar, but let's, uh, let's develop it in our, in our hearts. And to God be the glory for that. Thank you for listening to this podcast. To learn more about Grace Baptist or how to have eternal life, visit gracekettering.org. And remember, you are always welcome at Grace Baptist Church.